Hello and welcome to the Stringfellow April 2023 webinar and podcast. Our topic this month is zero trust and why it matters, protecting patient data and enhancing security. I'm joined again with Edward Stringfellow today. Say hi, Edward. Hello, how's everyone doing today? Doing good, doing good. I think this is a really important topic, but if anybody else is like me, they may be you know, a little confused as far as to what zero trust is and why it matters. So I think we've titled this appropriately. So let's just get right into what zero trust yeah. is like. Yeah, I think that I think that'd be helpful. First of all, zero trust is not probably what maybe potentially some of your past relationships have been like, or maybe it is. That's that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> what we are talking about though is is how to effectively protect you know your information and access to your systems, which which typically means patient data and PHI that that many providers are are have in their practices and are, and are obligated to take care of. So when we talk about, you know, cybersecurity in healthcare, I mean, it, it can look like this, like there can be the landscape, it, it can just be, there's so much, it can be really, really overwhelming. So today we're really going to focus in on just, just part of it. And that's, that's what this concept of zero trust, and we're going to kind of walk you through, through what that looks like. I think it's important to, to point out though, you know, there's there's some very unique challenges with cybersecurity and healthcare, right? Unlike just what we would call general businesses, non-regulated businesses, there are some very stiff fines and penalties if you know PHI is leaked. I think it currently it's ten thousand dollars a record. So there's some there's some financial impact to not doing some of these things. The flip side is it should be possible to justify getting some of these things put in place because you do get a return on investment. So a lot of groups go, well, we're not doing this today. It's like, well, we hadn't had an attack yet, but it, but if, if an attack would cost X and we can spend not X, but way less, the return on investment is, is there. So there's definitely a value to understanding it and, and doing these types of things. Obviously ransomware, we hear about it every day. Literally, I think Microsoft and another group, you know, announced a partnership to to stop this ransomware group from attacking a couple of hospital systems. So it's going on, it's going on a lot. Daniel, anything to add on the healthcare landscape before we kind of dive into the more tech details? Well, I just want to say, you know, I've got this corporate firewall. I mean, look, I put a lot of money in that firewall and I'm really proud of it. And it's it's awesome, you know, like nothing can get through by corporate firewall, it, right? It, so so it's funny you say that. Your corporate firewall, let's not say it's useless, but that is the old model, Daniel. So it used to be we would build, so it's not in this picture, but we'd build our kingdom and we'd put our moat, we'd put all our valuable stuff in our treasure chest, and then we'd put the treasure chest in the castle, and then we'd build a moat around the castle, and then we have a firewall. To access our treasure chest, we had to go to the castle. Well, guess what? Now people access the data, the treasure from everywhere. So yeah. you, you might have a provider that is at multiple rural clinics, you know, coming back into to the, the central data. You might have a provider at home potentially catching up on charting. Mobile devices are prolific now, so they could be anywhere. So the reality is this firewall literally protects generally a location and one in which we're we're typically not in. So while firewalls, we're not we're not throwing them out. That is a firewall is really not part of of what we would consider a zero a zero trust model. So when we're talking 
you know, about what, I mean, what does it look like? You know, what is, what does your trust really, what, what are the inputs or the signals is, is a good term for that. So a firewall, it just kind of say, hey, where are you coming from? And yes or no, but it doesn't really have any intelligence. The zero trust model says, hey, who are you? So what, what user are you? What's your location, right? And has your location so, so that the cool thing with zero trust is actually there's a it the reason that it's even possible is really AI. It's artificial intelligence and it's making decisions in real time about your access. Before we didn't have AI, we didn't have the computing power to do that. It just, it wasn't possible, right? Like the, the amount of logins that would have to be processed and thought about, I mean, it just, it, it wasn't possible. I mean, it'd take you an hour to log in. Well, guess what? No provider's gonna wait an hour every time they have to sign in. But with artificial intelligence and taking all these signals, we, we can make decisions. So, so quickly running through this, who are you? Where are you coming from? I'm going to look at that. What application are you trying to access? Are you trying to go to our corporate internet? Are you trying to go to the EHR system? Or are you trying to just access the web? So depending on what you're, you're accessing, I can make a more informed decision. What device are you on? So you're on a mobile device versus a workstation. Okay, you're on an edge browser versus a, a compliant, you know, Windows machine we know. So that you know that that in has input into our decision, and then real time sure. risk. That's really this AI component where it's awesome. It, it can go back and say, "Hey, this provide." It will learn that as a provider, you go to this rural clinic in Northeast Georgia every Thursday and log in. And over time, it will learn that that's your pattern. And guess what? It'll quit requiring you to log in with MFA every time, right? So super cool from a productivity standpoint too, it'll learn patterns over time and it makes the security, that zero trust model, uh, part of it is it, it should just fade into the background and, and not be super obtrusive. Anyway, looks at those things, it verifies, it goes, hey, you're allowed in. It might say, hey, you know, everything's cool, but you, you're not in your normal Thursday location. Let's prompt you for MFA. Or it might right. be like, yeah, you just logged in from, from Georgia and this logins from Seattle in an hour. It's not possible block access. Does that, Daniel, does that make sense? Like we're looking at inputs and we're making a decision and the decision is to trust or not to trust in real time. Is that, right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah, it seems like the old model was like trust but verify, you know, and so there was like, well, okay, you're a trusted user, you're coming in, and it almost sounds like this is just like never trust anybody ever, always verify that who's coming yeah. in is who they say they well, are. Well, we start over every time. We start over every time. Every every login, we look at the signals and we make a decision. And so we, the default is to your point, we don't trust, and then and then we let you in. So super super, it 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 really works. The other you know the other challenge though is this is this is ai based well the flip side is is ai is also in the hands of the people with ransomware and and trying yeah, to perform attacks and stuff like that so we'll get to, to more on that later but but sure. anyway this is the basic model we're going to take inputs in real time and we're kind of kind of make a decision on you know on, on what to do and so okay great so yet another two 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 it guys telling me <laughs> signals log in like what in the like I, whatever like like why do i care right well what i mean why do we care especially and especially in healthcare why do we care i i think first and foremost for better or for worse regulatory requirements so we care because 
data breaches are becoming very public. They're becoming more frequent. Cybersecurity and liability insurance is getting more expensive, just like tail insurance for many providers. You know, that's gone up over the years. It's the same thing. So you have to, you know, you're as a as a healthcare provider, you're gonna have to do some form of zero trust. A cyber liability application used to be like two pages and said, do you have antivirus and do you do backups? Today, we do them every week for, for our clients and they can run 60 to 100 pages. So, yeah, like, like, like that's why it matters because you're going to have to have that. Hybrid and remote work. So we are, we specialize in multi, you know, multi-site practices. And so, and, and typically the providers are moving between those practices. And so that zero trust model is very important there as, the, as they move around that hybrid and, and moving around kind of work structure of those groups. Sure. So, so zero trust keeps you keeps you healthy there. And then we we talked about, you know, the whole AI situation. I mean, zero trust is based on AI and so is the bad guy stuff. So it's, you got to yeah. keep them, right? Your firewall doesn't stand much of a chance. Your firewall combined with your username and password on your local server, that's 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 probably not super super that that moat and fortress is not what it used to be mm -hmm. you're almost making it sound like it's just like ai just fighting with each other on either side the, <laughs> you know. well it, it i mean it it, it kind of is right and so we want our zero trust and, and and we're we're you know heavily invested in kind of the microsoft stack which has billions of signals coming in a day. So they are training their model to see things. So the other cool thing is if you implement zero trust in the way that, that we suggest, you're not an island anymore. So now you're getting not only the signals from your organization, but from hundreds of thousands of other groups. And that's very helpful. So when they see an attack over here that has nothing to do with you, the AI understands it and can help, you know, help prevent it from happening on your side. So, yeah, so this this is great, right? Like, so, well, what's next? Like, how do we, how do we, like, how do you do this? So, mm -hmm. I think, I think it, I think we can all establish security matters. You know, okay, great. So, how, where's the switch? Where's the zero trust? <laughs> right. Where's the zero trust switch? Flip it on. Yeah, just turn it on. Fine. <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. So, t turn the firewall off. Turn the zero trust box on, and then we're done, right? Well, not so much. Step one, where are, you know, our treasure chest that we talked about earlier, where is that? So now a lot of the EMRs, EHRs, they're in the cloud, right? They're not even, they're not on-premise. So how do I access them? Does your provider, your EHR, EMR, practice management, whoever, do they, do they have the ability to utilize your, you know, your Microsoft 365 logins and SSO and all those things. Because right. if, if you tie them together, then then you can do the zero trust thing, right? Mm -hmm. Super cool. So when we're working with, with clients that potentially are thinking about an EMR implementation or change, you know, one of the things we ask now is, can this be part of our zero trust security model? So we got to figure that out, you know, what, what goes on there, where, where is the data and how are we accessing it? And once we kind of pull all those pieces together, we put together an implementation kind of plan and, and, and a pilot too. So you, you also want to roll this out. You know, it doesn't do any, zero trust doesn't mean 100% lockout either. So if you, if you don't know what you're doing, you, you, can, you can set this up accidentally where like no one can get in and that's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. 
and there's yes that would be a problem yeah that would be a problem right a lot a lot of you know it doesn't do your providers any good if every time they go to a conference in vegas and they're not on an airplane they can't get into anything or you know they're locked out constantly none of you know none of that matters so it, it helps to have a partner with experience and implementation too and helping kind of with the training side you you want to have a good experience and yeah. once it's implemented you need a group that can continue to monitor it so it's not this isn't a one and done you know the firewall mm-hmm. you put in you put your firewall rules in for the three applications you want to have access and and then you you look at it once a year well this doesn't this doesn't really mm-hmm. doesn't really work that way so in this model there's there's a couple of different pieces a couple of different pieces that can be used you know, in in the zero trust world. MFA is the most common. So codes, you know, I get a, a text code or <laughs> yeah, an authenticator, everything. you know, an authenticator code. That That's certainly part of it. Conditional access rules, you know, in 365. That's really, if, if you want to, the firewall is a box at the perimeter of my network. And our, in my opinion, is going to get replaced by this, this conditional access rule, zero trust, real-time decision, right? So it's a software or an AI-based firewall. That's really where where this is headed, right? I, I'm not picking on firewalls specifically, but I, I don't think they're super they're super helpful or, or as helpful as they used to be. So you know, when we're talking about these technologies, MFA, real-time you know, AI and security event management. So, you know, Microsoft has a number of technologies that can look in real time at what's going on and make decisions. And you definitely, you you have to have that happening, right? The the biggest thing is that zero day, that zero day exploit, where it's the second, you know, you click on the link, things start happening. If zero trust is set up right, so imagine you click on the link and you and you like a good person go and put your credentials in the site that you didn't realize was was not you know wasn't really the login for your EMR but it looked just like it before the fallout can happen you know when when those credentials are try to you know used across the country at the ransomware you know location well guess what zero trust will catch that and lock them out so it's not the goal is not to have, I mean, the goal is to have no incidents. Let's obviously that's that's always the goal, but the reality is that's not necessarily true or going to happen no matter how well it is. But with zero trust, not only do you have vastly fewer incidents, you also contain those that you have. Sure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So there's Because this- they can't they can't log in anywhere else because again, there's a whole new set of conditions that have to be met to where they can even log in. That's right. That's right. So, so it's it's the firewall after the firewall. So, okay. So now, mm-hmm. now they're through the firewall. Well, okay, that's not good. I mean, let's let's talk. That's not. I, we don't plan for that. But once that does happen, then we can see. Oh, this is a high risk sign on, and and then we can block it. So, from from that perspective, I think I think zero trust can be can be super super helpful. Well, I was really interested because as we were talking about this and getting ready for this, you know, you were saying this is kind of starting to be mandated on Microsoft's side, but apparently, you know, we've done this for a long time and we have a long, you know, track record of successes of rolling this out for years. So, I mean, could you speak a little bit to that? Sure. Love the, love the slide here. This guy's conquering the world. Um, so, yes, we have, 
zero trust is is an evolution, right? Like like anything, you know, we, we used to not really think you needed a firewall, then you had to have a firewall. You kind of needed antivirus, then you had to have it. And so, I mean, it's just a progression, right? And so we're definitely at the point where implementing a zero trust model is, is in our opinion, a, a must have. Um, I do think our, our very extensive experience in the 365 ecosystem makes, is unique because we, we've been dealing with authentication, which is key to this zero trust model. But, but the bottom line is, is we're very good at centralizing all of our, our logins and connecting all our systems to this one place that then we can have the AI involved in looking and making these real-time decisions with 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 zero trust. I, I think that we've had a number of groups, private equity backed startups, and, and they didn't have anything, right? So for us, it was a blank canvas and it really validated our approach. It was awesome, actually. No, I'm not gonna ever name who they are because then then, then the ransomware guys maybe put a target on them. But but Nothing's foolproof, but in these instances where we started day one with the zero trust model and, and did everything according to, to kind of our standards and our way, you know, we have not experienced any incidents, okay? And and any incidents we have experienced, we're, we're kind of immediately caught and, and neutralized, right? So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm reluctant to ever say zero because I, I think that's a little bit of a falsehood, but I do think from our our time with implementing zero trust from from an environment that had nothing that that's worked very well the other side of the coin is we've we've found many practices and they they need help and they've got on premise servers and just usernames and passwords and providers have got sticky notes with the th you know it it is what it is it's like this mm -hmm. security thing is killing my business because every time i try to log in it takes 10 minutes and all that kind of stuff and so Right. For, for for those groups, the success is for us to to first kind of get the mindset changed that security can make you more productive if secure, obviously more secure, but also more productive if if done right. Yeah. So, so we do. We have a number of groups, and they've come to us and they said we're really struggling with this. Typically, it's unfortunately after some type of event, you know, and we found out the hard way that that what we were doing wasn't right. Can you help? And, and the answer is yes. And so again, that's back to the implementation, understanding where everything is and having the experience to kind of quantify where everything is and how we work. Specifically with healthcare, we we understand intimately kind of how, how patients flow through a practice and how a provider might work during the day and, and RNs and you know, everybody log it in from all these different places and you know, all that we, we get. So we can set it up in a way that supports your practice rather than slows it down well what are some of the you know the things that stop anybody from just rolling this out i mean this, there's obviously got to be you know it's got to be done right of course but i mean from what i've seen and the conversations i've had recently it doesn't sound like a lot of this is in place even though you know companies microsoft are starting to try to make this mandatory you know what's like what's the hold up like why why isn't everybody doing this well, you know, like anything, it's just time and money, right? Time and money. And so, you know, oftentimes legacy systems are, are, are you know, they weren't designed. I mean, they, they were none of this, you know, server-based in-office system, you know, to go multi-site, we put up VPNs, which are a technology that we're really, we, we're trying to get rid of entirely. And so, so it was that corporate network and trying to send it. 
and and there's just not the infrastructure there. These legacy systems just aren't necessarily designed to you know to connect, if you will, to to this AI powered zero trust model. That said, most EMRs, AHRs, there, there's a lot of cloud options. Yes, it a lot of times will require going through a conversion, which is not necessarily fun, but can be done. And we're looking to help our clients roadmap out. You know, hey, we need these legacy systems to to. I mean, they they're going to need to to evolve, right? And so we try to put a roadmap together to say, hey, over time, here's how we're gonna we're gonna get there. And part of that's just balancing security with usability, right? So I've said it many times. If you want to completely secure, you know, IT infrastructure, power off everything and unplug it right. and don't touch it, and you're perfect. You're you're totally mm-hmm. secure and usability is zero. The flip of that is just free for all, no passwords. Like obviously that would be super usable and then quickly, quickly from a security perspective would, would go down. So so I think the challenge, the considerations are, are just back to that implementation phase and having a group that under, that can talk to you specifically as a practice and say, hey, what are your expectations for usability? Mm-hmm. You know, and some groups, now, now look, we're, we're not in the, like, if a group says, hey, we don't care, we want it all turned off, well, then we're, we're probably not a fit to work together because we do have some level of baseline security that we've, we've got to meet. Right. But over time, you know, we, we can help, help get buy-in from your organization. I think that's important. Training is important yeah. and all those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. I've added a lot of training resources to the website. We have a lot of learning resources there that are good links and articles and things that I've added over the year as this stuff has started to grow. So, and I see, and I see a lot of people using those. So that's, that's really good. I mean, I think the buy-in's a big part there though, right? Like if there's not buy-in from the top, like it almost has to be a culture shift. There has to Uh, be buy-in at the highest level and it's got to like kind of trickle down because if the providers aren't, using the technology, the secure technology, then kind of what, you know, what difference does it make if everybody else in the, in the company is right. If they're having to go through the extra, the extra security, does that, does that make sense? It does historically, you know, right, wrong, or different historically, you know, providers and the, and the folks on the front lines, they see a lot of this as a hindrance to them seeing patients and, and doing less encounters in a day. And it's just, you know, I'm trying to get to the OR to my next case. I don't have time to 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 mess with this stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing I would say is I, I agree with you, but if you'll if you will let us kind of walk you through how this could be, the zero trust actually can sit quietly in the background and actually increase productivity because it doesn't it doesn't bother you as much. You know, for me, I, we've got biometrics. So I just look at my laptop. It takes my face. I log right. I don't even, it, it's fine. Like it's totally, totally, it doesn't ever do anything. I just look at it and it opens much like your, probably your your mobile device. You know, you just bio in and, that, and that's it. And so it sits in the background. It never bothers me. Sure. If I take this laptop and, and you know, go 500 miles away and I've never been there before and I'm and I'm trying to access something strange. Well, when I look at it, it's going to prompt for that next thing. But but the point is it 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 should not interrupt your day uh if done correctly, right? And so I think a lot of organizations are missing that. They just see it as one more thing to deal with. When I would say if it was done correctly, not only are you more secure, you're more productive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, so say you do have buy-in, say you have got the, you know, you've got the the, the license, whatever's required. What's to stop organizations from just 
doing this themselves. Great. We'll just have, you know, the office manager just flip the switch or we'll have our in-house team try to take a stab at it. You know, I mean, it sounds pretty straightforward, right? I mean, I mean, it's <laughs> experience. I mean, I probably could get on YouTube and figure out how to do like a, a maybe a single bypass heart surgery once and they they might live. But that's not, you know, but I I don't want I want my provider to have done hundreds and have experience and understand all that goes to it. This, this security thing, there's there's a rise of of like security specific groups that are different from your your IT partner and and my take on that is if you have an IT partner, they better also be a security expert. Like it's, you know, so so to answer the question, it's like, it's not, unless you do this every day and have lots of experience across tons of practices, it is just not really possible to, to have the knowledge and experience to, to do this in a way that's gonna have the highest level of success, right? You might get it right. You might can follow some documentation, but, but I don't think for this specifically, the, the risk reward is to find a good partner and, and let them be part of, of helping you get this put in. Makes sense. I mean, that's, I guess, yeah, you can Google it and find out what to do or how to do it, but unless you understand the why and you have a comprehensive sort of understanding, it's probably a fruitful and a fruitless endeavor, right? Like this is a kind of a wild goose chase that well have really bad consequences. Well, yeah, worse than a wild goose chase. The way you find out you didn't do it right is is it, it wasn't turned on. So I'll, I'll leave with that kind of. So we we do a number of of assessments and reviews for for prospects of their 365 environment and zero trust, and it is. There is a trend that those that are most confident in how it's set up are actually the ones we find that are that are set up the the worst. It's I don't I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's you go in and everything is on you know it kind of seems like it's set up, but it's actually not you know turned on. And I think that that's back to that experience and that false sense of oh we we did that it's it's turned on and and the reality is yeah it is turned on and it's scoped to no users right you know or the flip side is it's turned on in a way that it 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 locked locked everybody out and so we just turned it back off so we we we, we that experience is is a is a really big deal and not even even reading the documentation and following the notes and you know all these products and services you know they've got kind of the guides I, it, there's just no substitute for having done it multiple times and and just doing it you know for, for a lot of different groups mm -hmm. yeah good well that's great edward i appreciate you sharing that with us today i think that's a lot of good information and i definitely have a way better understanding about zero trust and what would matter to a healthcare clinic so hopefully everybody that's joined us today got something good out of this. If you have any questions or comments, be sure to leave them in the comments section below. And we look forward to meeting up with you next month at our next webinar. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Have a great rest of the day.